Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Next One Up podcast. Um, I'm handling this episode solo today. This is Carly, and I'll be joined by an awesome guest. I am here with Desiree Abrams. Desiree is an NFL replay assistant, tackle, and flag football official, former professional football player, and was recently named as a member of the NFL Global Flag Football Ambassador Team. Desiree, welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So for the listeners that don't know, because you wouldn't, Desiree and I met at the USA Football Women's Summit back in March, which was an amazing conference that USA Football put together for women from all backgrounds of football to come together and kind of break apart the landscape of football in this country for women. What was that experience like for you, Desiree? How did you feel when we were there? Oh man, it was so empowering being in that room with people who had shared the same passion and we all had different vantage points to see how we could positively positively affect change. I mean, it, it was amazing. So we weren't just thinking of where we wanted to be, right? Ourselves as current professionals or former players or owners of teams, but also what the future was going to look like for those that are coming just behind us. So it was, it was really exciting. I had tingles. I completely agree. I think it was an incredible experience for all of us involved. And like you said, um, echoing that, I hope it continues and that we can meet again in the coming year and, and have, have made some progress, which I think is awesome. Can you share with the listeners a brief summary of your football journey and, and why you love the sport? Sure. Um, so uh, as you said, I used to play women's professional football. Um, I, I've loved football since I was a kid, starting with, you know, my dad and, and grandfather and uncles going to uh, now Washington Commanders games and um, seeing my dad try out for football teams. He's, he's now an accountant <laughs> and he's been doing so for a long time. But, but um, having it in high school and, you know, playing powder puff one game against the seniors, it kind of just got me flowing like, hey, I could probably do this. Like, I would love to play football more often than just once a year. Um, And then when I discovered that there was women's tackle football when I was in college, I was playing basketball at the time uh, for Florida A&M. I was like, I'm going to do that. As soon as I finish playing with this, definitely going to. Um, I, I started off as a player um, started off as a tight end, then went to defensive end and never wanted to leave. I was going to say, you is the right love side of the ball. Defense. I just want to say, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> defense is the right side of the ball. Um, and then after a few years, a few all star rings, a few championships, you know, I, I knew that I w- it was time to move on from the sport and I needed something else to be around. I, I didn't want to be in coaching, I didn't want to be in team ownership. So I'm like, there's got to be another outlet. And I was introduced by uh, my general manager, the DC Divas, um, to the NFL Officiating Academy. And they just pulled me in, man. I was just like, okay, this is how officials actually work. They don't just show up to the game every day, right? They I don't think a lot of people know like what kind of training goes into being an official. Yeah, like it's not talked about. People don't know really how you get from point A to point B when you're on that field in the stripes. Right. And this and this program just made me privy to that. And so I came in as a defensive player, like, let me find out 
what I can learn so I know what I can get away with on the field, right? I was just like, let me figure out like why they're not calling this hold when this sweep runs to the opposite side of the field. Well, I found out and so much more and I knew from jump that, hey man, this was gonna be my next advocation and involvement with the sport. I, I love football because I believe that it is the ultimate team sport. It, it truly is. Like yeah. love basketball, always have a special place deep down in my heart. But I tell you in high school and in college, when I played probably one out of every five games, I played a power forward, I would foul out just because I was doing stuff that I thought was simply part of the game. And I was like, you know what? bump this. I need a sport where I can actually hit people and it's okay. <laughs> Encouraged even. I got that. Yeah, man. So just the, the fact that everybody on the field has a specialized position and they have to do their job in order for you to march down the field. Oh man, it's an amazing thing to see in action. I love, love what you're saying there. I completely agree. I think football is the ultimate team sport. Um, I think it teaches you so much accountability and, and, that you, like you said, you have to do your role in order for the unit to succeed. Absolutely. Like you've got running backs talking about, yeah, I'm the best running back there. No, you're nothing like, okay, without your line. Your okay. line or buying them lunch, breakfast, you know, something just to make sure that they're keeping the, opening right. up those holes. Right. They could easily close that hole, for, like let that yes. hole close on you. <laughs> yep. That's, that's great. So Fans know, and I think this goes across all sports, that officials don't always get the best reception from fans and frustrated players alike. What is the most challenging part of being an official and remaining professional in these high-intensity environments? So I, I've got two things that I think um, are, are pretty challenging. Um, one, it's, it's knowing the rules um, simply because they're often very in-depth. Some of them have uh, various layers of exceptions. There are also a lot of philosophies that go along with how we actually work the game. And as a player, I thought that I knew them all, right? I thought I knew everything about what has to do with special teams, what has to do with offense and defense, what DPI looks like. Turns out it's not actually the case. You know nothing <laughs> you think you know, but you don't know. You know nothing about the rule books truly until you actually study as an official. So going out to a game and say making a call like DPI and fans are like, that wasn't DPI or that was DPI. And you know that based off what you've been taught, what the book says, it is or it is not. And being chastised, you know, by the general public for that. Um, which you know, when people say something like that now, when I'm in a game, like, oh, that was holding ref, oh, that was DPI ref. And I'll be like, really, what category of holding was it? What, what category of DPI was it? Yeah, and if they awesome. can't tell me, if they look like, huh, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You don't really know the rules. So as soon as you do, we could probably have a better conversation about that. But I always do invite them to one of our rule study sessions so that we can get on that same level, right? Like we don't wanna throw anything as officials. We really don't. We'd rather let the players play and us stand back and just maintain the clock. Oh my gosh, if I could just throw my hands up and, main, and just maintain the clock, <laughs> that'd be a great game for me. We don't wanna throw fouls, but if we see something and we know it has a major effect on the game, we gotta call it. So right. that can be that can be pretty, pretty tough, um, sure. but it's challenging in a good way. And the more you do it, the better you get. And it's really rewarding. Right. Um, the second thing I would say that's super, super difficult 
is the fact uh, that you actually have to be so stoic as an official. And I'm a fan first. When I see somebody make an amazing play, I want to say, oh, react. Like, oh, man, you should have catch that. Like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't have an opinion. I can't react. I can just, you know, bite my teeth on the side a little bit or turn away from wherever I know that a camera is and just continue to work the game. And so it's, it's really hard not to react to the excitement yeah. of the game, but I've got to remain focused and do my job. Sure. In terms of, so a lot of rule books, and I think this is in multiple professional sports, they can have some ambiguity to them. Some, some things can be left up to the official and, and that team. Right. What, how do you deal with the ambiguity and how do you deal with your fellow official that's officiating the game with you seeing something differently than you saw it? Right. Now that's a, that's a great question. So like um, say in the flag tournaments that I work, right. You'll often have many teams or many officials coming from different areas where they play nursery rule sets or flag football or championship tour rule sets or UFFL rule sets. And it's like, how do we pull all that together to get everybody on an understanding? So very briefly, usually somewhere around the coin toss, like we go over some of the major highlights so people can understand. As officials, we always pregame, right? So we'll either come in the night before and have a full one to three hour discussion on what we're going to cover and what our mechanics are going to look like. Um, or it could be something as short if you're in a tournament of about 15 minutes of like, hey, you're covering this, you're covering this, these are the timeouts, this is this, this, this. And here are the gray areas that if we see this, here's how we're going to call it. Say, for instance, flag guarding. It can look different depending on what angle you're, you're standing at. So if I'm a referee, you have a line judge and you have a back judge, we all might see different parts of that equation. Right. It takes all of us to come together, which why you'll see officials sometimes huddling up and having a conversation because either we need to advance a call or we need to pull somebody off it just to make sure we get it right. Sure. No, that makes a ton of sense. Very interesting. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, it's just communication over and over and over, man. It, it really for is. Sure. Um, and once you work with a crew for a long time, you kind of really get a feel for how mm. everybody works and you have a general understanding of what you as a crew are going to decide. And you're, you, you try to make sure that the coaching staff and players understand that as well. Right. Now, officials, they are tasked with calling certain things that leaks put in place to keep players safe. Um, head-to-head things, unnecessary roughness calls, those type of things. What role do you think officials play in the safety of players? And what are some ways that you think the football world can make the sport safer at all levels? So um, I think that officials play a guidance role when it comes to safety. Um, and if like you look in the high school, the collegiate, or even the IFAF rule book, the first section of the rule book talks about player safety. And it talks about helmet to helmet contact and talks about defenseless players. They want everybody to know, hey, we want this game to be great, but we need to keep it safe. And that really starts with the players themselves knowing exactly what they should be doing technique wise, what's allowable and what isn't. And then the coaches coaching them in practice every day to what that should look like. By the time you get to us as officials on the field, all we can do is assist in guiding you like, hey, if we see something, be like, 
hey man, you might want to get your head up because if that happens again, you're really, really close to this penalty. Or if you do that again, I'm going to have to call it. Like we're more of a, a guiding force by the time you get to game day. And then if it does happen, so say in tackle, if we have helmet to helmet contact, we're just calling that straight out. Like there's no warning by the time you, you get to that level. So sure. now officials do participate in some practices, right? So collegiate practices, right. semi-pro practices, like they'll, they'll go and before a game, that's really, really useful to a team because they can see what things they've been practicing that they may need to modify by the time mm. they get the game day to avoid that. Mm. Um, so, but we're always trying to make sure that safety is first, right? Again, we want to make sure that we have as little effect on the game as possible and that everybody remains safe. So say if you have a, a blowout game where a team is definitely more dominant over another and then just kind of starts to pick at the other players, like hitting them extra hard when the play is over and stuff. We'll use our flags to talk to them. Our interest is not to allow another team to abuse another team, especially once the score gets bad. That's when officials really have to dial in and focus. Like we're already focused anyway, but now we, we take that extra, extra step, dead ball officiate, use our flags, heavily penalize to make sure people stay safe. Um, I look at it as like, Every, every kid on the field is like my son or daughter. I feel like that should be like a rap bar or something. Everybody on the field is my son. You know, something <laughs> like that. I, I can't rap, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. I like, got the I idea. Protect my child. So sure. mother and father in the stands, I want to protect your children. I do not want them to get hurt at all. Right. That would be horrible. But, but right. know that I'm not actually doing anything to them. It's interesting, like you'll be running down the field and somebody like that was a that was a foul ref. Like you hit a ref. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I, I didn't I didn't hit them. <laughs> I didn't hit them, but I will drop this flag because that was unnecessary roughness. Oh, that was unsportsmanlike right. conduct. I will right. penalize them for it, but I just want to be clear, I didn't hurt, I didn't hit them at all. Right. Um, officials are also trained in um, recognizing heat exhaustion signs for concussion. So we're, we're all trained in that. And so if we see something on the field that relates to that, we will send a player off. We'll let their teammates know. We'll let their coaches know. And of course, medical staff as well, because we want that addressed immediately. Um, second part of your question, as far as what we could do in the football community worldwide to increase right. awareness. I mean, having these kind of conversations about what it looks like when somebody may not be well, like in, in terms of what I just talked about, about heat exhaustion and concussion, having the teams know exactly what that looks like, um, teaching them proper technique and tackle when it, when it comes to tackling. So head up tackle football to make sure that we're not getting regular concussions, right? Um, making sure that we have proper equipment all the time, like uh, refurbished helmets so that they're, they're of good quality. Um, just, just, Again, making sure that everybody has all the information in advance, watching films, talking, teaching. Yeah, I, I loved a lot of what you say there. Um, I love this sport just like you do, and I don't want it going anywhere. And I think safety, we have to have to prioritize safety to keep the sport alive because um, we want people to keep playing the game. Right. Um, and just one thing, if you don't mind, I, yeah, of course. one small thing, which everybody may not agree with, but I, I think even Brett Favre mentioned this early on is start 
the young players off in flag first and allow them to work on all of the football skill sets without the high level collisions that they experience, allow their bodies and their brains to grow without the rattling. So up until about 13, 14 years old, and then pull them into tackle. You know, that's that that may be a more appropriate body-wise, and that is definitely increasing safety and their chance of being more successful as adults in the game. I agree with that model completely. And it, it makes sense. I, I think like it makes sense in terms of development. You just, you know, you can walk before you can run, essentially. And I think that's the equivalent in the football terms, you know, yes. flag before you tackle. Yes. Um, right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then in terms of, and you mentioned, you know, the idea of like heads up tackling and stuff and mm-hmm. at, as you know, when you get to the college or the pro level, do you, do you feel like guys might need like a refresher on like tackling form? Like I watch a lot of football and I look at these guys like that doesn't look right. Or, or did when, you know, and I always thought about like maybe a way to like mitigate not only the head to head hits or not only like, you know, leading with the wrong part of your body, but also getting a better product on the field, avoiding missed tackles and that kind of thing is like a tackling refresher. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely take no issues in refreshers, but uh, I don't know, man, like you, you probably have more experience than I do of like having to go out there and telling these grown men what to do. Right, that's where we <laughs> start. Like I've been tackling for years, you're going to tell me, but I just, you know, watching uh, high level games, you've seen it on TV. It is not the same football that your dad and your grandfather watched, right? You can't go out there and clothesline guys. Right. Like it's gotten safer, right? Yeah. The, the game looks like it's gotten safer and that and that's started at the, the youth level and has trickled all the way up. Um, and uh, we, we thank high level sports for re-emphasizing what is important in, in keeping these players safe and so 100%. so yeah pressure could be good um but we're, we're going to stay on the grassroots level for sure and make sure that by the time they get there they, they haven't forgotten that for sure so you mentioned that you were playing tight end and you switched to dn when you were playing professionally is there a player that inspired you or that someone you modeled your game after oh gosh um so I always wanted to be like um, Ray Lewis, um, although I was never a linebacker. I just loved his energy and like the way he could command the room. He got to do a cool dance when he came out onto the field. I just wanted to be that excited every single time I stepped onto the field. Um, so yeah, there were some some defensive ends that were great, but I just really loved his energy because he layered, lowered the boom every single every time. Sing- right, he brought his A game every single time. Absolutely. That yeah, so I remember. I really, I really did enjoy him and I enjoyed my time playing. I miss it every single day. I don't know, you could probably ask any player, they, they really do, but I had a great time and certainly wish that I could have played it professionally at the highest, highest level. Yeah. How many years did you play for? So I played four years for the DC Divas and four years for the Atlanta Explosion. Okay. Awesome. That's very cool. If you could play another sport professionally or at an Olympic level, what would it be just your dream if it was not football? Oh my gosh, that's so hard because I love football. I mean, really, why do anything else? (laughs) Like, 
if if it's not tackle football, then it would have to be flag, right? Because that's going to be <laughs> well. Olympics. Technically, it's going to be in the Olympics. So, right. I mean, that's that's what we're hoping, right? That's that's why we're doing all this work for so that it it right. can be there to to be in the inaugural Olympics. I mean, that right. would be awesome, but I I probably would miss a lot of the contact though, because yeah. the international flag is certainly different than how we play here in the US, which is a little bit more contact and obviously way different than tackle. Um, I didn't know that there was like more contact in our in our leagues versus internationally, huh? Hands That's down, absolutely. Okay. Um, when I was first learning how to officiate internationally, I could, I swear that if you just like blew on another player, like that flag. <laughs> that's how, you know, from an American perspective, that's how we look right, at it. And it probably frustrated you. You just want to like, like let them play. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I eventually came to learn what the, the rationale was for this. Mm-hmm. It is truly supposed to be a non-contact sport. Not to say contact doesn't happen. Basketball is supposed to be a non-contact sport, right. but contact happened, right? So the, there, there is that area, like you said, to where it's open for interpretation and the IFAF philosophies cater towards less contact than more. But um, right. yeah, to answer the, the, the question, I mean, I, I looked at other sports and considered in my heart, basketball would be cool, but I, I really liked watching it and maybe I could be a basketball star I used to box I would have loved oh, doing boxing cool. okay. but um I love my face so I'd have to be like Floyd Mayweather yes I'd have to be like Floyd Mayweather like never get hit um <laughs> um you know like car racing would be awesome like oh my gosh I could listen to my favorite music while I'm taking turns um although there's car accidents there so yeah ah. that's not great so I like, what I know. did I do what could I do that uh, allows me to do almost nothing and get paid a whole heck of a lot? And I was like, golf. It's oh, like yeah. Walking while swinging a stick. Now, people are going to get mad at me about that. I know they are. They're going to say, oh, you have to do a lot when you golf. I don't know. I know. I've watched All my golf hardcore a few golfers. Times and... All my hardcore golfers are, are going to get mad at that. <laughs> but I, I think that'd be interesting to just tour the world playing at all different courses man sure. meeting some very interesting people and having a pretty nice life surrounding I'd say it. so I'd say so yeah that that's funny what can I do for the most amount of money the least amount of, of effort the most amount of money that's very funny um you mentioned um doing like international games you've done a lot of stuff in the United States is there like a most like memorable like game that you've officiated for or place that you've been where you've had to officiate uh so most recently um working the world games in Alabama was amazing just the atmosphere of all of these teams that are coming together that is like the pre-Olympic world stage um, to set the tone for what it's it's going to be like in the next few years for flag football was amazing. Um, I, I also worked the uh, IFAF World Championship in Jerusalem, which amazing. I mean, I, I'd never thought like, oh yeah, like I'm going to be in Jerusalem at some point in time working flag football. Like it, it's just amazing. What a historic city to, to be in um, and, and Israel, just the state itself. To, to, to be there and to be able to not only focus on football, but also on just 
community and a different perspective. That that's truly amazing. Um, yeah. The, the most memorable moment for me though was the first women's tackle championship that I worked in Canada and Vancouver, where I, I had to decide whether or not I was going to be a player and try out for the team, or serve as an official. So I, I decided the latter. And uh, right after the championship game, they were giving officials awards and teams were lined up. And so I was walking up, all of the teams started clapping for me, including Team USA, because they know how much I wanted to also be a player and perhaps be, be part of that kind of event to just get that kind of gratification and recognition seeing that I transitioned into this role was super heartwarming and I knew I made the right choice. Wow, that is incredible and just like an amazing memory for you to have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, thanks for sharing that with us, that's incredible. Um, while we're kind of on the subject of global, international, um, I wanna to talk to you about that you have been named as a member of the NFL Global Flag Football Ambassador team and what that means to you and and why is the work that this team is doing and NFL flag in general, why is that important to the future of football? Right. I mean, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Have you seen that list? There's a lot of like heavy hitters on there. I <laughs> saw Jalen Hurts, Eli Manning. That was all with you. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown and O.C. Manura. Like that was you. And then you were you were on the top of that list. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have no idea how we made it here. Like, am I only here be, like at the top because my last name starts with A? Is that the only reason? Because <laughs> um, it's super, super humbling, uh, honoring, and um, maybe a little bit of pressure to to uh, try to represent this sport um, globally. I mean, uh, it's the intent is to increase uh, awareness, interest, and participation in, in the sport not only state uh, stateside, right? So we want to have every uh, state in the U.S. have women's flag as a varsity sport. It's already in the NAIA as a collegiate sport. They've had two championships so far. And um, uh, my, my fellow ambassadors, Katie and Liz Sowers, uh, were the, the benefactors of those two championships. And um, it's it's hoping to be in the NCAA as a varsity sport. We're pushing towards that as well. It's also moving into to junior colleges. Um, so, so that's really great as far as building up the base here in the States. But internationally, it's already really big. Like it's already really, really, really big. So big that they have their own federation, which was the other letters that you keep seeing next to NFL, which is IFAF, the International Federation of American Football. And, and that, they know their stuff over there. So it's already spreading. We just need to find those countries that it's not as big in, go in, uh, promote the game, show them how much fun it is, how much easy it is, how easy it is to set up. I mean, all you need is a, a soccer field, adjust some of the lines and some some cones for end zones and you can play. Yeah, you know? There you go. No, Two-hand touch, flags, all day. Yeah, yeah, a few yeah. flags. And, <laughs> And we're ready to go um, and just, yeah, develop that game where they are so that when it comes time for the Olympics and the Olympic vote, they'll see that, hey, this is perfect to bring in. Right. Everybody loves it just like they do soccer and basketball. It's got to be here. Sure, sure. That, that's really cool. Um, and I, I think it's really amazing to 
I, what I love about sports, they bring people together and especially when it's the sport that I love. Um, and I think it's such an incredible thing to be able to go internationally and, and teach these kids how to play a sport. And it just like brings us all together. Um, when I worked for university of Pennsylvania, we had the chance to travel to China. So when I, the whole team, they took the whole team, um, and we went to China and there was a day where we did like a kid's clinic. Um, and we were like doing drills with these Chinese kids who didn't speak any English and we didn't speak any Chinese, but somehow we were able to communicate with each other and play ball sports. Yeah, man. And it was an incredible feeling. It is really cool. It is cool. Like you'll, you'll go to some of these, uh, games internationally and different music will be playing, you know, in the stands to, to keep people hype and uh, they're paying attention to the game. And, um, there was one story that I heard where uh, in the stands they started for the kids playing Baby Shark. And although the kids did not speak a lick, a lick of English, they knew Baby Shark and they were all doing all the <laughs> movements so on the field and then jumping right back into drills. Like That's so funny, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. It, it is amazing how sports bring people together. And it really is. This passion that we share and shall share globally I mean, it can, it can move mountains, man. Imagine what we're going to be able to do once it's actually solidified. I 100% agree. I am looking forward to seeing what you do and, and what we can do going forward with the sport that we both love. And Desiree, thank you so much for your time. Um, if there's anything that you want to plug here for our listeners, anything that you want people to take a look at, this is your time. Yeah. So, uh, Definitely go ahead and, and enroll the kids in all, any NFL flag league that's in your area. Go ahead. And I played flag NFL now. flag growing up. Amazing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, keep it on your radar that um, uh, USA, Team USA is going to be starting to recruit uh, players for the next women's and men's Team USA and junior international teams. Um, so if you're looking to try out, make sure that you check out USA football site and they can direct you where tryouts are. You can even submit digital tryouts. So that's, that's new and inventive, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love how we expanded our options. Um, <laughs> and just many, many thanks to all of those that, um, are, are giving officials on all lengths, the opportunity to work all of these games at all these different levels with the experience. I mean, we love it. Um, we, we want more of it <laughs> and, uh, uh, it gives us opportunities to get better. Awesome. Thank you so much, Desiree. This has been great. Yeah, absolutely. I got one question for you though. Yeah. Why don't you like cats? Cats? Yeah. I don't like cats. I'm not really an animal person. Um, like at all. Um, I, I joke, I like animals from far away. Like, I'm like, oh, that's cute. But like, don't come near me. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Are you I a was big a, cat person? This is total tangent. I was listening to some of the other uh, <laughs> podcasts and I heard you say that. I was like, oh man, what did the cats ever do to her? My background's in animal science and veterinary <gasps> medicine. So, oh, that's so nice. Obviously, there's you know a lot of animal life around. Yeah, that's not uh, me. <laughs> who will be, uh, you know what? You save yourself a fortune in lint rollers. So that probably works out for the best. Oh my God, that's so funny. I love that you brought that up. People are like, oh, this weirdo, this girl, she doesn't like animals. Like what is wrong with her? Like she has no soul. No, 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 no. It's just not the thing. It's right. not for me. Yeah, but that's so funny. But yes, thank you so, so much. Um, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. This has been awesome.
You guys know where to find us. Next one up pod at gmail.com. Next one up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will see you guys next week.